0: Brought to you by the good folks at Guadney Buick GMC, next to Sam's in North Little Rock. This is Guadney Unplugged with Scott Romine.
1: Hey, welcome to Guatney Unplugged. Hope your Saturday is going great. This is Scott Romine. We're going to focus on one of our own. Brad Schmidt is here. He hosts, of course, the afternoon show on 102.9. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. This is uh, this is kind of cool. I've uh, I've been on a few different podcasts over the years and and different things like that, but uh, nothing quite like this. So this is
1: uh, this is pretty cool. It'd be fun. Well, tell us about growing up in North Dakota.
2: So I started my uh, my life in in North Dakota that I kind of actually remember, Uh, when I was about three years old, we had lived in Indiana for a short time and and things like that, but uh, I don't know, three, four years old, I grew up in a little tiny town called Ashley, North Dakota. One of my very earliest memories, speaking of North Dakota, was my dad's birthday at the time uh, was the 3rd of June, probably would have been like 79, 1978, 79, Um, waking up on the 3rd of June and there was a, a layer of snow. In our backyard, in June. in June, yeah, yeah, it was I'm pretty out, crazy. Man. So, um, and of course, it—I mean—it got up to like seventy that day, and, and all the <laughs> snow melted right away. But yeah, that was that was uh, kind of one of my earliest memories as a kid. Um, and small town grew up. You know, at the town I lived in was you know 14, 1,500 people, and then I, we moved to another town about forty miles away when I was in kind of went where I graduated from high school, which is Ellendale, North Dakota, and just kind of your tip Typical small town probably not a whole lot different than a a town of that size in Arkansas or Mississippi or New York State or anywhere else it's just typical small town America
1: just colder yeah just a little bit colder (laughs)
2: in the winter time um but it was really great I, I my mom you know my my biological dad took off when I was pretty young um and my stepdad uh, kind of took over. I don't know. I was, I think, nine or 10 when they got married, and uh, just that I don't have that story of like a bad childhood or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, like anybody, we, I mean, I had the struggles as, as, as anybody would. My parents got divorced when I was young, but my mom was great my stepdad was awesome and I just had a great childhood growing up and doing all the things that kids are supposed to do we went fishing and hunting and bicycling all around town and it it kind of like a like an 80 sitcom I was well, sure the, yeah it was pretty great i I liked it i I certainly don't have a whole lot of complaints about my my life growing up
1: at all the wonder years
2: yeah really yeah it really was I mean we did all of that riding our bikes around town I'm mean, some of the greatest stories in the most Trouble we ever got in was just, you know, cruising around in our little bicycle gang <laughs> in
1: this little small town. One question I always ask people what is the first movie you remember seeing in a theater? The
2: first movie I remember seeing in a theater, boy, it would have been, I can remember the theater. It was the Ashley, North Dakota Movie Theater. And I probably E.T. Wow, I want 82. to say yeah, I want to say it was probably E. T. that I remember. I think there was maybe a couple other ones, but that was the first one that I actually remember it because it was so yeah. impactful. I mean, it, it's Spielberg, right? I mean, that's just that right. was.
1: I remember that movie being standing room only. It was that huge that they would let you go in and just stand in the aisle and watch them because all the seats were sold out.
2: Yeah, I don't remember that. I think it was pretty, but like say a town of fifteen hundred people. And so we got one movie a week, yeah, like it yeah. wasn't nowadays you get these ten theaters you can want, you can go pick from five or ten different movies it was it was the only theater, and it was the only screen, and yeah it would have been probably would have been
1: e t they just now got Godzilla nineteen eighty five just kidding. I'm like, wait, what <laughs> it happened <laughs> it, finally, it finally made it it
2: took me a second yeah <laughs> they yeah, I want to say, um. Yeah, the, I don't remember, and we didn't get all of the movies, right? Like sure, if, if we, well, you got
1: one theater, yeah, you had if no we chance. if
2: we wanted to see some of the others, we had to travel from Ashley. It was about ninety miles to Aberdeen, South Dakota, where they had, I think, they had four theaters or four screens in in a theater. So that was the other. Yeah, and then when we moved to Ellendale, they didn't have a movie
1: theater at all. Yeah, that sucks. So, nice. Yeah, favorite TV shows you grew up with?
2: Oh man, pretty, You know, I know you have the the General Lee, and oh, I remember yeah. growing up watching the Dukes of Hazzard. I love that show. Um, and 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 just started rewatching again just literally in the last oh, few days. Oh, it's greatest. And I didn't realize how great the acting was and because we oftentimes nowadays with is is the modern movies and TV shows and stuff, we kind of expect this extremely high level of of acting and quality and all of that, but I didn't realize how great the acting. It, I mean, it's kind of cheesy and all of that, but it really yeah. was fantastic. Um, Duke's Hazard was definitely one of my favorites. I remember watching B.J. McKay and my best friend Bear. Oh yeah, um, Hardcastle and McCormick was was another great one that I loved. Um, and I remember when I was in high school, probably sophomore freshman sophomore year ish, sixteen years old. Um, Quantum Leap. Was on at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. And they had, I think they were half an hour episodes, and I would watch an episode at 10 to 10.30 every night before i go into bed. And, I, you know, Sam yeah, and... Yeah, Sam and yeah. And, uh, oh gosh, I can't think of the names of the other characters, but, yeah, Quantum Leap was definitely a favorite as well. And then, of course, um, uh, Star Trek uh, The Next Generation with Captain Picard. Because oh, that was my era, right? My, yeah, that's er- Star Trek. A little earlier was, was the original Star Trek with Shatner, but... But uh, Captain Picard and 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 Lieutenant Riker and Commander Data and Geordi LaForge. Forge. Uh, what who was it? Geordi.
1: Who did he? Yeah, Geordi La yeah.
2: yeah. Well, he was uh, reading Rainbow. Reading Guy. Rainbow. Yeah, Guy. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So Roots. Yeah, roots. A yeah. yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, those are kind of that was, those. Those are my TV shows growing up.
1: Did I, Did you know that the BJ and and. In- the bear truck ended up in West Memphis, Arkansas, for years and years after its life at a field in West Memphis, Arkansas. No
2: way. Yeah, it's it's been restored now. So there's a guy that owns it. His name is Brad something or another.
1: Yeah, but that's where it it was found. It was made its way to Arkansas, In West Memphis, Arkansas. Still haven't found the monkey.
2: Yeah, because <laughs> it was a, it was a it was like an eighty. <laughs> it was like a flat nose. 80, yeah, eighty two like Kenworth. Yeah,
1: looking truck.
2: Yeah, it was like an eighty two Kenworth cab over.
1: So you go off uh, to college and study uh, biblical studies. What, how did that come about?
2: So I grew up in the church. My, my, my mom was, uh, I mean, she grew up in a little Mennonite church in the middle of nowhere, North Dakota. And uh, I kind of grew up in the church. And around that 15, 16-year-old time frame, I kind of got this, and it's a long story. I won't get into all of the details of it, but we had gone to uh, you know some church meetings during the week, revival meetings or whatever you want to call them. And uh, at that time, I kind of felt that, and I don't hear like booming voices from heaven or God talking to me through a burning bush or anything like that, but I just really felt that that was the moment that God had said, hey, I've got something bigger for you than just being a kid from North Dakota, and I want you to go be in ministry. And I had no idea what that looked like. I, I mean, I didn't know anything about being a pastor or any sure. of that kind of stuff. Um, went off and kind of decided later on that God had obviously made a mistake and I'm gonna do my own thing <laughs> and all of that. And I uh, got into driving truck and all kinds of stuff. Ended up in an accident when I was uh, 19. I was driving truck in uh, 1995. And uh, a kid was killed in the accident. It was my fault. And I ended up going to jail for, um, the, the, the final charge was negligent homicide. And while I was in prison, you know, you you, you start making deals with God. Sure. You get me out of here. I'll go be a, a preacher like you told me to. And and I just remember very clearly this sense that God said, no, I'll, uh, I'll you'll stay the full sentence and then you'll go do what I told you to do all those years ago. So I called my wife at the time. You know, we'd just gotten married. he has got a brand new baby at home and I'm in jail for 75 days. I called my wife and said, hey, how do you feel about moving to, to uh, Nashville, Tennessee? she said, what for? I said, well, I think I'm going to go to college so I can be a pastor. She just said, okay. Didn't question it. Really? Didn't, yep. She said, oh, sounds great. Let's do it. You know? And so long story, didn't ever make it to Nashville. We ended up going to Colorado instead to college in Colorado and, uh, spent eight years there, uh, jamming four years of college into that eight years and, and, uh, became a pastor and ended up moving back to North Dakota in 2006 uh, and took my first church as a pastor in 2006 so there's a lot more that goes into that story but that's kind of the the basics of it was um just the the kind of the crazy experience of of religion um when you what I wasn't really a religious kind of person in the in the terms that most people think of of the, uh, the, you know, the old church
1: lady from, from Saturday night live. (laughs) Satan. Yeah. (laughs) Hey, if you join us, we're talking with Brad Schmidt. Of course he hosts our afternoon show. We'll be right back here on Guatney Unplugged.
0: Casting from somewhere deep in Hazard County, it's Gwatney Unplugged with Scott Romine.
1: Hey, welcome back to Guatney Unplugged. Our guest today is one of our own, Brad Schmidt. He hosts the afternoon show on 1029 Monday through Friday, and we were talking about driving trucks. Yes. Yeah, you actually went to drug truck masters, I guess, like, <laughs> like they talk about in Top Gun. No. So I actually,
2: I had forgotten that that was in Top Gun. It's when uh, when Goose and Maverick get in trouble. Yeah, that's and, right. Yeah. And Goose wants to uh, find a new career because he's going to get things getting kicked <laughs> out of the Navy. But I I never I never went to truck driving school. I So I grew up, like I said, in a small town. My best friend's dad owned a cattle ranch and I grew up helping out on the ranch and learning how to you know run farm equipment and tractors and did cowboy stuff and on horseback and learned how to drive grain trucks and all that kind of stuff. And then one of my, kind of my early jobs growing up, I worked at a grain elevator in this little small town and uh, I my biological dad was a trucker but I never really met him and and didn't really I mean I met him I knew him but not very well and and so I learned how to drive truck at the grain elevator they I asked them like hey I want to learn how to drive truck and they needed more truck drivers so they were willing to help me get my license and I wasn't old enough you have to be 18 to get a CDL and I was only 17 and so I got my permit and was allowed to kind of ride along with and, and learn from the one driver and then when I turned 18 I went and got my license right away and went ended up going down south custom combining with a custom combining crew from North Dakota and got a bunch of experience that way. Um, hauled rocks and gravel and worked for a company hauling hay bales for a while, driving truck. And over the years, that's always been kind of a fallback for me. I, I've done radio and computers and all kinds of stuff that I've worked. But if I've ever needed a job, you know, if I ever got, you know, one of those moments where, oh, well, hey, look, I just got fired or I, I quit my job because my boss was was a jerk or whatever, and needed employment. I could always go get a job driving a, a truck somewhere, yeah. you know. And I still have my Class A CDL today. I, I even when I moved here to Arkansas, I transferred it down here to Arkansas and hung on to it because it's such a great place to to fall back if you because they're always looking for truckers. So. And you got a good voice for the CB. I love so I was my you know it's funny that I've forgotten about this it's been so long because they don't really use a whole lot of CB stuff anymore. No, oh, like, tell me it's kind of died out. I mean it's it wasn't like the Dukes of Hazard, yeah. you know? <laughs> and uh, I was Rocket Man. That was my that really? was my CB handle. Yeah, I was Crazy Cooter and and all those, and I was I was Rocket Man. That was my uh, that was my CB handle on the Hazard
1: so, net. Yeah, <laughs> I guess they're like using ways and everything today. I guess they're not.
2: Yeah, you much just much. don't see the CB stuff as much anymore more the you know the old style or the 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 old truckers from back in the day have kind
1: of just faded out you just don't see those guys around anymore I see these kids today, and I think ten years from now nobody will know how to back a trailer. No, it's it, just not going to happen. Well, and it,
2: the funny thing about that is, I could I could park a fifty three foot van trailer in your bathroom and not even scratch your mirror, but <laughs> but try to get me to back a ten foot boat trailer and down the boat ramp is almost impossible. Those little trailers are tough. The, oh yeah, the, the big ones are actually a lot easier to do than the little ones.
1: Yeah, it's well, it's almost like shooting a gun. A rifle is a little easier to be yeah. accurate. Yeah. Than a handgun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You can shoot hundred yards or 500 yards sure. with a rifle. Good luck shooting that far with a handgun. Good luck shooting 20 or 30 yards sometimes with a handgun.
1: Yeah. So people at back trailers don't realize that the longer, the bigger is actually the easier. easier.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Cause they don't, they don't react as quick. You don't end up jackknifing them sideways. Well,
1: the new GMC Sierra coming out actually will drive itself down the road with a trailer hooked up to it. Oh wow! Is that unbelievable? It's
2: amazing. I, you know, when I came out here for the interview for for Karn to to take this job, I we rented a Toyota Corolla on the trip from because we long story flew into Nashville, ended up driving here, but um, the. I was amazed a Toyota Corolla a bottom of the line I shouldn't say bottom of the line but you know an entry level economy car it had auto cruise control that did the radar of the car in front of you it had the lane assist steering all I had to do was literally just kind of rest my
1: that whole five hour trip from Nashville I
2: just rest my finger on this
1: isn't that crazy that was it yeah it's great technology so you worked in computers for a while you worked for Gateway and Hewlett Packard yep is that a a self-taught thing what did you do on the computers yeah
2: kind of the same thing, kind of a self-taught. I, so I had a good friend that worked for Gateway at the time, and I was working. I was going to college, was going to Bible college, and I just needed a job. and And I was tired of of doing the manual labor, digging ditches, kind of work. and 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 I wanted to do something a little bit more, uh, using my brain and and uh, and that kind of stuff. So I talked to my buddy. I'm like, "How do I get on at Gateway?" He's like, "Well, you got to be a." a CompTIA A-plus certified technician. And I'm like, well, how do you do that? You're supposed to test you take and whatever. So I signed up for a little class. And it was kind of the be- not the beginning of the internet, but it's late 90s, early yeah. early 2000s. And so um, I signed on with my dial-up modem and and took the little training thing. And over the course of two weeks, they did their little uh, training course and took the test and passed. First time through and uh, got a job at Gateway Computers at the time was like thirteen dollars an hour. It was a a fairly decent wage.
1: Isn't that Uh, back when they had their own like buildings? Yes. Like they were painted like a cow.
2: Yep, that was the box. There's the painted like a cow, and you go into the store and they had like metal, sheet metal, like a grain bin and everything. Yeah. And you
1: picked one out or you built one. You built it. It was
2: all custom built. Every every machine was custom built. They didn't have any that you could buy in the store. And and so yeah, Ted Waite was the, the CEO. He was a guy from South Dakota. Dakota. Um, and, uh, yeah, I worked for Gateway for about two years. And then I went to work for Hewlett Packard, um, which was, we all got laid off, right? It was at ah. the end of the dot-com boom and Gateway kind of began to struggle and, and their stock price went from 70 some dollars a share to $5 a share. And, and, uh, all of us in Grand or in, uh, in, uh, Colorado Springs and everybody in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, about 800 of us all got laid off. And, and so I took a job at Hewlett Packard, just kind of down the street Colorado Springs, a big tech city, and uh, worked for a company... I technically didn't work for Hewlett Packard. I was, I was worked for like one of these staffing services company who contracted me to Hewlett Packard, who then turned around and contracted me to Baxter Medical Services. <laughs> so the people that would call me was a, was a medical services company. They would call for support. They had no idea that I worked for Hewlett Packard and this other company altogether. They thought I was just a fellow Baxter Medical Services <laughs> employee. So that was kind of strange. Growing up in a town of 1,500 people, there was more people in the building that I worked in in the entire town that I lived in growing up. So, I mean, there was 10,000 people in the building that I worked That's at. crazy. Yeah, it was pretty nuts.
1: It works out good while you're here. I got a printer offline. <laughs> you know, if, I can fix it. Yeah, yeah if you yeah. just hook yeah. that up, get that going. I always wonder when people, do you remember your very first exposure to a home computer. Mine was an Apple IIe that was in our unair-conditioned elementary school.
2: Yes, so that was my my middle school. So I was in my class. I was like I said I graduated in, in 1994, and my class was the first class to use computers for typing class. So my ninth grade year, we used typewriters, the electric typewriters. Yep, my that. sophomore year, we switched to computers. Now we had other computers in our school. We had the old Apple IIEs and two Pluses. Uh, so that would have been my first kind of introduction to computers. But then the typing class, we got the IBMs. You know, they were the double Apple or the double three and a half inch oh, yeah. floppy drive disks. yeah, And uh, had no operating system. There's no windows or nothing like that. You had to boot it up and type
1: run. That, yeah, you did. Whatever, yeah, I you know. that, like DOS.
2: Yeah, yep. Yeah. And so then my, my first personal computer that I owned, I actually saved up and bought myself. And it was a Tandy 1000 HX. I you remember know. those.
1: No hard drive. One of my doctors retired a couple of years ago, and he had the same secretaries since I was 15 years old. (laughs) They never had a computer. No. It was all written on index cards and things the entire time. That's crazy. They never even had a computer. Could you imagine a a medical clinic How did you deal with insurance and stuff and not have a computer? I couldn't imagine. Archaic. Could, yeah, I couldn't imagine. That's nuts. <laughs> we are talking with Brad Schmidt. Of course, he hosts the afternoon show right here on 1029 K R N. This is Squatney Unplugged. We will be right back.
2: Look, we don't usually do this, but we felt compelled to tell you something. You're
0: driving an absolutely breathtaking trade right now. And I don't know how to put this, but at Guatney Chevrolet, your trade is kind of a big deal. You heard that right. Guatney Chevrolet in Jacksonville is home of the big deal. Bring your trade to the Gregory Street exit in Jacksonville and trade up with no payments for the rest of the summer, plus free gas for the rest of the month. See dealer for details. Son of a feasting, that's good. What about 2.49% on 2022 Silverados? We're doing it. Plus, thousands overbooked for your trade.
1: Check out Guatney Selection.
2: And don't act like you're not impressed. Oh, and don't worry about your credit. Because at Guatney, 100% of the time, you get approved every time.
0: 1301 TP White Drive in Jacksonville. Call 501 982 2102. GuatneyChevrolet.com Chevrolet. Find new roads. You stay classy, Arkansas. Coming to you from Scott Romine's personal bat cave, it's Guatney Unplugged. Brought to you by Guatney Automotive Group.
1: Hey, welcome back to Gwatney Unplug. Scott Romine here. We're talking with Brad Schmidt. He is the host of the afternoon show right here on 102.9. And you and Harrison Ford have something in common. Your background is construction. Oh yeah, you've done some building stuff. Are there houses in North Dakota or somewhere that you've built or uh, worked on? I guess. Yeah. So,
2: so it's been a kind of off and on thing. I did it when I was in college. I when I worked. I was in when I was in Bible college in Colorado Springs. After I got laid off from Hewlett Packard. Uh, again, needed a job, so just went to one of these staffing services place. And they're like, hey, we got some construction stuff as well. I, I know how to fix stuff. I did a little bit of help remodeling our house when I was a kid. So, sure, I'll go buy some tools and I'll go be a construction worker. and Yeah. So, learn how to do some framing and, you know, kind of the general construction stuff. And didn't we didn't do a whole lot of the... Uh, like the you know, there it was more kind of like modern construction. There was the framing crew that came in and did their part. There was the sheetrock crew that did their part. The electrical crew, the plumbing crew, like it was all different groups. It wasn't kind of these general contractors that handle everything like it used to be. And so I I, got, I learned how to do some framing with that, and I did some kind of remodel jobs here and there. I worked like on a Seven Eleven. We redid all of the the front. Fascia on the building and made it, you know, look more modern. New 7-Eleven as opposed to a 7-Eleven from 1973 or whatever it was.
1: She fixed the Slurpee machine. While you were there. <laughs> I, or, I did mean, not fix you know, the Slurpee. Somebody machine. needs to. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, not McDonald's needs to fix their ice cream machine. Yeah, I went yeah, through a McDonald's yeah. yesterday. It was broke.
2: Yeah, gl- I told my the wife the other night wanted an ice cream cone. So we can go to McDonald's, but I'll tell you right now, the ice cream machine's not going to be working. Pulling through the drive-through, sure shirt off. Sorry, we our ice cream machine's not working. I
1: thirty so. will be done done before the mcdonald's ice cream right yeah and it doesn't again.
2: matter which one it's just it's yeah that's yeah, the thing yeah so but uh, yeah then then uh you know over the years off and on did some remodel and construction work and remodel a lot of my own homes and things that i've lived in in the past and and then most recently about three years ago um i was so i've done i've been doing radio for about eight and a half years but up until moving here to arkansas i had only done uh part time radio. And I always had to have a second job to kind of pay the bills because sure. what people don't realize is that just because you're on the radio, doesn't mean you're a rich millionaire celebrity. You know, most people don't have any idea who you are and you don't make that much money. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, um, I, I got to do, uh, some construction work for work for a company called, uh, give a little bit of shout out to Chris Gracco and, and, uh, executive properties in North Dakota. I worked for him for about a year and, and that, experience i loved working for chris he was a great guy that you know he was a great boss um but it made me realize that i really really wanted to do radio full-time and and his his encouragement of me not just saying oh i'm gonna do everything i can to keep you because i need employees but he actually when i told him i said hey i think i'm gonna quit and focus on becoming a full-time radio guy he was very encouraging and 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 supportive of That's that awesome. and, and so um Within six months of quitting there, I had the opportunity to move here to Arkansas and take my radio career to a full time position. And so now that's what I do. I don't have to do, you know, a part time job anywhere. And and now I can look for things, you know, for side gigs or whatever that I want to do because it's fun. And not because, sure. I got it, not, got, not because I have to have some extra income. Did
1: yeah. it kind of start by accident? You walk into a radio station or something? It's not like you went to college right? being on, in no, radio. No,
2: I never went to journalism school. I never got a degree in communication or anything. I literally, so that's actually a really interesting story. So a good friend of mine was a, a radio person who worked on a Christian radio station and they were doing a live event one time and I, I went up to, her, I said, you know, her name is Carrie. I said, Carrie, I said, I got a great idea for a radio show as a pastor. I said, I think you should do like a, a, Christian version of what like Rush Limbaugh does. Like politics from a kind of a Christian world view. And uh, she goes that's a great idea. You should do that. I'm like, whoa, "Whoa, whoa, I don't know nothing about radio. I think you all should do it. I just think it's a good idea." And she right. goes, "And she goes, actually, I I'd, I'd, I'd love to teach you a little bit about radio." So she kind of got me doing what they call voice tracking and which is essentially you're the guy that does this was such and such and now up next it's, you sure. know, A C D C whatever, right? Yeah. And uh but it's all pre recorded. And so I'd started doing that. And then she actually passed away very unexpectedly. She wow. she was in a, a minor surgery and something went went wrong and, and she actually passed away. And um I had realized that we never really pursued that idea. And I thought, I need to try and look into that. And I I got into doing radio and and um uh, I literally just started calling around to radio stations and said, Hey, I want to learn how to do talk radio. Can you teach me how, can I come in and just sit in? Cause my, I was driving truck at the time and my day off was Friday. Right. And so I said, can I just come in on Fridays and sit in with you? And one place said, sure, we'd love to. And the day I was supposed to start, I turned on the radio and it's a rock station and it wasn't talk anymore. And I was like, what happened? So I called the guy up and I'm like, dude, what happened? He said, we all got laid off on Friday and uh, wow. they changed formats and went from talk talk radio to rock and roll music radio. Wow. And so I'm like, all right, well, so then I started looking around and ran across a guy named Scott Hennon, who's actually filled in for uh, the likes of Sean Hannity and some of the other national hosts mm-hmm. and stuff in the past. And I started sitting in with him, driving 60 some miles to their radio station and it just got too expensive. Gas was three and a half bucks a gallon at the time. And, and it was costing me a hundred bucks a day to drive down there once a week. And so I said, eh, uh, I got to look around a little bit closer. And I bumped across 1310 KNOX was the station I was on in Grand Forks. And I said, hey, I want to learn how to talk, do talk radio. He goes, actually, we're looking for talent. Why don't you come in for an interview? I'm like, whoa, whoa Perfect. I'm not ready for that yet. But uh, filled in a couple of times, fell in love with it. And next thing I know... Had my own radio show, and March seventeenth, Saint Patrick's Day, twenty fourteen, was my first day on the air as the host of the Schmidt Show. So
1: that was it. How long did that show run before you find out about KARN, and and how did you find out about KARN? So it was about seven years, seven and
2: a half ish years before I moved down here. But about seven years, I I, like said, I kind of decided I wanted to do this full time, and I had actually applied for a job with Dave Ramsey and to be a Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey Solutions partner in, uh, in Nashville. But I had also bumped across a guy named Dan Mandis, who is the program director of W2, WTN in Nashville through LinkedIn. And I said, Hey, I want to get into a bigger market so I can do full time radio and all this. Can you help me with this? And, and he said, sure. And so he helped me put together kind of a package and, and in the, in that time i had gotten on a mailing list for cumulus media which owns karn and i get an email once a week these job openings are opening in in cumulus and so KARN showed up they were looking for an afternoon host i thought i'll try it so put in the application and i actually came down for the interview and the experience with ramsey solutions and was talking with toby howell um kind of at the same time he said well hey if you're going to be in nashville if we rent you a car can you just rip over for a day and do a quick interview here in in Little Rock said sure I'd love to and so Drove over, did the interview, actually filled in the one day, you know, on a Thursday afternoon, I think it was. And then uh, had dinner with Toby at six o'clock at night, turned around and ripped back to Nashville real quick to finish up the experience with Ramsey
1: Solutions. Did you meet Dave Ramsey? or I did. Really?
2: I tell you what, that guy, what a great guy. I mean, people do not realize how incredibly generous that guy is i mean the, the, he is it i could spend the next hour talking about really? this guy he the, everything you hear about him on the radio about what he believes financially they live their lives that way and they are it it was probably the single most incredible experience I've ever had with a company or organization in my life. I mean, we showed up, there was, there was a, a gift box in our hotel room. I mean, it was really the, the meals that they provided. It wasn't just like a conference meal, like, cause it was like a full on three day conference that we went to. It wasn't just like, Oh, here's some cheap meal, uh, you know, on a box lunch. I mean, it was full on, Catered breakfasts, catered lunches. Cater- I mean, it was just unbelievable. And the people that work for him, the most generous and kind people I have ever met in my life. I still have some some relationships with one, with a couple of them, and I've had one of his people on as a guest on my radio show. I mean, it did. I, I can't overstate the the level of kindness and and generosity from from Ramsey Solutions. And and I I would tell anybody. Listen to Dave Ramsey, what he's got to say about money. It's absolutely, absolutely saved my life. I mean, it, it it's put me in a position to
1: where I'm not broke all the time. You would have got that job, but they found out you had 25 cents on a credit card. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're talking with Brad Schmidt. We'll be right back here in Quotney Unplugged.
0: To you by Guatney Chevrolet. At the Gregory Street exit in Jacksonville, this is Guatney Unplugged with Scott Romine.
1: Hey, welcome back to Guatney Unplugged. Scott Romine, we're having a great time talking with Brad Schmidt. He, of course, is our afternoon host here on 1029. I, I want to ask you about auditioning for KARN, how that went do you know how many people were in the pool that you were competing against? How, how did that go? I do know now. I didn't
2: at the time. Um, and uh, essentially, and Toby told me later on that, you know, he kind of knew that I was the guy from when he first began talking to me. Um, and, and so there were some other interviews and, and stuff that other folks had done. And, but he said, I just kind of felt like you were probably the guy. And so I didn't know that at the time. So I was, you know, and I, and I don't know that I let on, but I was very nervous, you know, cause I I'm a, in radio world, you don't go from, I was in Grand Forks, North Dakota. So the way radio markets are ranked is by population size. Sure. And after a certain Low, once you get down so far, they just quit ranking them. So Grand Forks was literally the smallest ranked radio market in the country. Anything below us. I think there was, I think Gillette, Wyoming used to be below Grand Forks, um, but the, I don't know that they're ranked anymore. So they were like, literally, that was the smallest ranked radio market in the country. And you don't make that jump to, to Little Rock, Little Rock which is a jump. top 100 yeah. market. It's a it's a bigger market. And so I was really nervous thinking there's no way they're going to hire me. There's no way they're going to hire this podunk idiot from North Dakota. But I thought, I, I mean, I can't, I got to try at least, you know, I got to sure. at least put my hat in the ring and, 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 uh, I'd love to say it's just because I'm so great and all of that kind of stuff but I think for one I was affordable right I didn't have some big name national name that was going to carry with it a large uh, a large paycheck or anything like that so I was affordable as part of it and and uh, I, I've always been really good at interviewing and I've always joked that you know if I if I get an interview with you you're going to give me the job like just because I'm I'm am I'm I like to consider myself to be a fairly likable person and a, and a very personable kind of guy, and so I've always kind of joked like, if I can get in front of you, I'm going to get the job. And and I'd I'd like to think it's just because I'm so great. I think the reality is it was a kind of a culmination of I was available, I was I was affordable, and you know, so, and I'm not going to get into all the details and the specifics of it, but some of this COVID stuff made me available as well that some people just weren't because of COVID and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, yeah, that was, it was a pretty cool process though. It started actually several months earlier. I want to say it started like in probably June or July of 2021. Um, and it wasn't until the third of January that I actually started in the first day on the air in, in Little Rock. So it was a fairly long process just because of, So many things happened. Dan Bongino was, you know, in the news for some various things that kind of put a... a, a Uh, A kind of a clamp on that process as well and slowed things down at the same time i was interviewing for a position in bloomington illinois with cumulus as well and so that was they were kind of coordinating like hey we kind of want to talk to him first but if if we decide not to go with him we want to the other place wanted to talk to me and so yeah but I, i i think looking back i probably was never even being considered for the other
1: position i think it was just I think they were probably just kind of stringing me along because see, I heard it was between me and you and the night janitor. It probably was there. Yeah. yeah just... it, there's,
2: well, and the night janitor was a little bit more a folderber yet than that, me. That guy is good. But
1: yeah, he, I, I think he had some personal issues. They were a little concerned about, I'm not sure. <laughs> talk, talk about, cause you do a great job and you have, I appreciate and, 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 and you know, and I want to say that a lot of people don't understand truly the pressure of what you do. I do. Cause I've filled yeah, in for filled that. In, I've yeah. done that show several. It, it is a lot of work. And, and people don't understand that the four hours that you do that show, yeah, you use your brain for about 12 hours. Right. I mean, you're. Yeah. When I would do that show, I was physically exhausted yeah. the last button push and off the air. So I have it's taxing.
2: Yeah. So I, and I've learned over like say eight and a half years, and I don't have you know I'm not like a Rush Limbaugh character. I don't have thirty years of experience or any of that kind of stuff. But I have learned in the last eight and a half years or so, uh, I've learned a few of the tricks you know to kind of. Condense that because the kind of the, the, when I first started in radio, they always said for every hour you're on the air, you should do an hour of prep. So a a three hour radio show should take three hours of prep. Um, and a four, like I do four hours now I do two to six. So four hours of prep uh, or four hours of airtime equals four hours of prep. And I've, I've figured out ways to kind of condense that. And, and, and so I can, I can generally, prep for a four-hour radio show in two and a half to to three hours to, you know, if I'm super busy that day or if I've got interviews lined up or something like that, I can condense it a little bit further because I don't, if I'm doing an interview, so like uh, a while back, this is a few years ago before I got to KRN, I was able to interview Walter Williams, uh, you know, probably one of the most influential economists of the last 50 years along with guys like Milton Friedman and Thomas Sowell. Sure. And uh, interviewing him, I didn't have to prep, but two minutes. I mean, I did a half an hour interview with you, the guy, and I went, Walter Williams, tell us about economies. And he yeah, just talked. Yeah, because yeah. he's just, he, he was a genius, you know? Um, and so that kind of stuff changes it a little bit. But the, the thing that I think is the, 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 and what I always tell people is that my whole life is show prep. Like if I'm driving down the highway, oh, listening, sure. listening to the radio station, listening to the news, even if I'm listening to a, a music station and the DJ comes on and is talking about, um, you know, the latest, uh poll that says, you know, 75% of men uh don't tell their wives that they hide in the bathroom and cry after work or whatever, you know, so yeah, yeah. I can I that kinda gets filed away oh, and sure. I use all of that. And so my whole life is show prep. If I'm out, you know, if I'm out hunting or I'm out fishing or I'm out I do a lot of trap shooting and stuff like that. And so all of that stuff is constantly being oh I could talk about that. Oh I could talk about that. I could talk about that. It's a little weird because sometimes having conversations with people, you know, generally private conversations, I have to kind of tell them if they know I'm a radio guy and they know I do radio, I have to tell them like, don't worry, this isn't, you know, this isn't going to end up on the air. This is just you and I having a conversation. Right. This is just a private thing. And I always try to ask if if or if I have if I do talk about any of that, I try to ask them for permission first. I'm like, hey, do you mind if I share about this on the radio? Or if I don't have the time or I can't get a hold of them I won't ever mention I would just I'll say oh I was talking with a friend or I was having this conversation oh, with someone um, and and because I don't like to reveal people's private stuff and you know how that works oh, I yeah. mean yeah totally so, yeah so that's yeah that's but it is it is a lot of work um, but I've also come to love it I really do love I fell in love with radio and and I'm at a point now where I just I can't imagine doing anything else and and the cool thing about it is I I still get to be me like, I don't do the character. I'm not, you know, I don't have a fake radio name. My name is really Brad or, Schmidt. Or, or and a fake voice. Yeah. No, I don't do some weird, you know, the, yeah. the welcome to the Schmidt show. Like I don't, <laughs> I'm not, and it's not me, so.
1: Yeah, I just, just be yourself. It yeah. seems to be the key. And it, and it seems to be a little bit more endearing to the audience. They they can relate a little better. Talk about the pressure, I mean, of coming on and taking over a show where obviously, and you know Doc, yeah. we both know Doc yeah, Doc's Washburn. Doc's a good guy. Had yeah. a big following, whatnot. The pressure of following that up, and and I think you really are coming into your own as the guy. Yeah. Now,
2: you know, the biggest thing was I, I just didn't I didn't want to come in and and dump all over Docs work in the last six, seven years. He's, I mean, I I went and had lunch with him when we first moved to town and and got to know him. He's, he really is a great guy. I mean, I I don't think anybody that's ever met him would say he's a jerk or anything like that. He was, and he was really good at what he did. I mean, the guy's been in radio for 30 some years and, and I always, I've always kind of said like, if I can be that good someday, I I mean, I will consider myself a success. And so the, the biggest pressure was I didn't want to ever slip up and say something something stupid that was either unintentionally offensive to people who were fans of docs or or slip up and just say something dumb because i'm not from arkansas like i didn't grow up here like this isn't where i was born and raised and so i fell in love with this city already i've been in little rock for
1: six months and what's your favorite restaurant you've found so far oh
2: boy there's so many i love so the big orange is great um i the uh Oh, Cantina
1: gosh. Laredo next door. Yeah, well, yeah, also went, very yeah. We yeah, went there. That's
2: really yeah, one of the best ribeyes I ever had. Um, Flying Fish. Just went there the other day for Great the second place. time. That's really good. Gus's uh, Gus's fried chicken downtown was really good. Dessert at uh, Sop and Chapel is fantastic. A little expensive, but oh my gosh, yeah. it's so good. Yeah, um, yeah, so many. I, I mean, and just the uh, the good old fashioned. Um, uh, kind of the some of the fast food restaurants, David's Burgers and and places like that. Um, I, I love eating at. Uh, there's a
1: place called the Little Greek. I have uh, been there. Yeah, yet. it's up on. Cantrell? Sound like you're a permanent resident. You're oh, sold. I, yeah,
2: I love it here. It, it really <laughs> is a great place.
1: Tell any future plans. You got about 30 seconds. Future plans for the Schmidt Show? I know you've talked about maybe having more guests and yeah, things like that.
2: I want to do that. I, wa- I want to just I, – I love politics, and that's kind of the thrust of the show, and it always will be. It's talk radio. Um, but I, I love to offer some practical stuff. I've been working on some interviews with guys from Ramsey Solutions and talking about you – know, with all the inflation stuff. How does a regular average Joe manage that in the from a budget standpoint and, and things like that? Things to be practical as we're as we're talking about radio and not just complaining about politics all the time. How to actually genuinely help folks.
1: Man, I appreciate you being on Guatney Unplugged. Well, it's a lot of fun. I, we gotta do this again. Schmidt happens right here on one oh two nine K A R N. See you guys next Saturday.